Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Wire Podcast. Before we get into this episode, I just want to let y'all know that the Drew Holiday and Mohan Bogdanovich trades that the Milwaukee Bucks made happened after we recorded this podcast. They literally happened like 15 minutes after we finished recording, so that's why we didn't talk about it during the podcast. I just want to let y'all know, in case y'all are wondering why it's not in this episode, those trades did happen after we recorded. I just want to let y'all know that before we get into this. And without further ado, here is another episode of the podcast. Thank y'all for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Wire Podcast. I am back here. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. I've been doing a lot of stuff for the draft, the NBA draft that's happening this week. Uh, in two days, it's officially draft week. I'm excited. Uh, and on Saturday, I released a... NBA, era, my NBA draft guide for the 2020 NBA draft. So I'm here with my dad. We're going to talk about it. Um, I created the big board. I also did a mock draft of what I would do if I were the GMs of each franchise. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and if you want something that's uh, a little bit against the grain or that's not along with the consensus, then you've come to the right place because uh, nothing I've done is <laughs> aligned with the consensus at all. Um I am very out out of touch with the consensus. I, my ideas are a lot different. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm excited to do this. All right, so let's start with the big board. Uh, I know you took a look at my draft guide. Yep, I um, did. So let's start. Okay, are there any... Is there anything you know, or anything like you noticed that was like a lot different uh, about my board? Any interesting placements, or any any interesting names that you weren't expecting to be where they were? Well, I guess I guess the biggest, um, I guess the thing that I noticed uh, was uh, how uh, uh, James Weissman had yes fell how how much he fell in the first round. Based so on I, whatever all the experts are saying right now. Yeah, so Wiseman is a consensus like he is gonna go top three. Um, it sounds like yeah. sounds like he's a guaranteed top three pick. I have him at nineteen on my board. I he was actually lower before I made some adjustments. Um right. I, I'm I'm just lower on the the reason why I'm low on Wiseman is because A, I'm low on centers. I don't think centers have that much value in the modern game of the NBA. Um, I think I just, they're just really expendable, and I think um, for a center to be valuable, I think they need to be switchable on defense. So I think they need to be able to, uh, if if not not maybe not guard on the perimeter, but I think they need to be able to defend in space and play different kind of pick and roll coverages, and that's something that James Wiseman struggles with. Um, and then when you look at what he does offensively, like he's a, a talented player. Like he's seven, three um, with like a set or he's seven, one with like a seven, six wingspan. And he runs like a gazelle. He's super athletic and that's great, but he's not very skilled. And he has a low basketball IQ. Um, his shot selection was terrible in high school. Um, he was actually better in college because he, he wasn't, asked to do as much as he was in high school his high school film is really bad um but he was better in, in college with a smaller in a smaller role but he did only play three games in college and he dominated because he played like really really small teams like these teams that he's playing with they, they were like 
really, really low level. Um, like there is like South Carolina State, like <laughs> they were really just not good teams at all. Um, and then when he played Oregon, who was actually a really good team, he struggled. And so I just think um, he's got the physical tools to be really, really good. He just doesn't have the skill, and that worries me a little bit. Uh, I know um, on draft Twitter, which is basically like on, on Twitter, there's a big group of people that really focus heavily on the draft, and they do scouting. A lot of people on draft Twitter are low on Wiseman, so I'm not alone. Uh, but yeah, I have Wiseman at 19, and he's I think he's like my third – center or my third big because I have I have like everyone um grouped in three position groups like ball handlers wings and bigs and he's my right. third ranked big what, what was all right so Wiseman's body of work in college how many games did he play three now I don't really three, care yeah. I, I'm not low on him because he only played three games I don't care okay. that he only played three games like if he actually was like really good in those three games and like showed that he has the potential to be a high level center in the NBA, I'd have him higher. But he just he's athletic and big and that only that only gets you to a certain level. Like you also right. need to be skilled. You need to be able to make passes out of the short role. You need to be able to defend in space. You need to be able to at that at that size with his mobility, he should be able to guard on to defend on, on the perimeter. But he's not able to do that. And I mean, he's got shooting potential. That's one. That's one reason why he's at 19 and not lower. There is potential for him to be a good shooter because he has a very beautiful jump shot. I'm just afraid that when he gets to the NBA, if he's in a high usage role, I'm afraid that he's going to start forcing fadeaway jumpers, and he's just going to take really, really bad shots. Um, and that that worries me about Wiseman. I could understand if you had him like. I understand why people have him top 10, like maybe at the back end of the top 10. I know Kevin O'Connor, who works at the Ringer, he has him at like seven or six or seven. I think I believe he has him at six. Um, I'm okay with that. I don't see the argument uh, for him to be in the top three. I mean, I just don't see the argument. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I, I, I think just me being a, kind of a casual fan of, you know, college basketball this past year, it was, kind of, this was a strange, obviously strange year because yeah. everything was cut short with the, the pandemic. Uh, a lot of times the draft board uh, is, uh, includes uh, some players that really showed out during the, the tournament. Yeah. Um, and this year we didn't have the tournament. So, you know, it, it, it basically forced you and, and others who analyze the, the draft and the, and, and the board uh, to really have to di- you know, do a lot, a lot of deep dive into that and, yeah. and do a lot more analysis than you might have done otherwise. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, you get, get kind of, you know, what have you done lately? You know, what, what did they do in the tournament? And you see some guys have have a, a you know a big showing in the tournament, and that can elevate their status. So you didn't have that uh, aspect of it this year, which makes it more interesting. Yeah, I, I know. Last year, um, I was really scared of Jarrett Culver, who went he went sixth to the Timberwolves. I was mm-hmm. really afraid of him because he had a 
he he like shot his percentages and his shooting percentages in the tournament were horrible. Like I don't think he had an efficient game in the tournament, and that terrified me. I I know a lot of people on Twitter were really high on him last year. I know a lot of people had him number two behind um, Zion, and his his performances in the in the tournament really terrified me and we didn't have that this year now this is the a weird situation with the pandemic because no one was playing but there was one guy that was playing consistently during the pandemic and that was uh denny abdia from israel who i have at number nine i believe um he was actually playing uh right. while corona was happening and his stock rose a good bit because um, he played really, really well. Like one of his biggest questions is his shooting, and he shot the ball really, really well when they came back and uh, started playing again. But he he um, he really helped out his stock. But that's something you have to watch out for. Like you, you can't get like recency bias when you're watching guys like that. Like when no one else is playing and he's the only one um, that's like actually playing basketball. You. It, it would be really easy for you to just have that recency bias and to put him higher than it needs to be or deserves to be. So, yeah, it, it, this is like a really weird year. Yeah. How, how do you feel like the, the pool of talent, the overseas talent, compares with years past? Or it's actually like, really good. Yeah. It's really good this year. Um, like my number one player is Killian Hayes, who is a point guard from France. Um, and I, I, I think he's really, really good, a really good player. Denny Abdia, he's an overseas player. Um, I have him top 10. So I have two, uh, overseas players or two international players in my top 10. There's another guy who made my top 30, uh, Leandro Bomero. Um, he's a pretty good player. Um, he's, he's a little bit raw, but he's, the big issue with him is that he's still on his contract overseas. And so if you draft him, you're taking a risk. And so you're going to probably have to wait a year or two to get him over right. uh, because he's still under contract. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that the talent pool overseas is pretty good this year. Um, it's better yeah. than it's been in years past. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I want to run through – um, my there's one name I know that people would be really surprised by in my top in my top five, and that is uh, Alexei Pokushevsky. Now he's becoming a really popular name um, because he now in, in mock drafts he's like around in the twenties or around like eighteen to like twenty five, um, and in he's. Kind of, he's like the mystery prospect of the draft, kind of like how Giannis was in 2013. Um, right. Apoku is in that same situation where he didn't. Re- there's not a lot of footage of him, and he played in a really low division overseas. But he is a super talented player, and he's the youngest player in the draft. He's, I believe, he's 18. Um, okay. But most of the footage you're gonna find of him on like YouTube is footage of him from when he was 17 years old and he is a he's listed as a like a big man on most like big boards or most mock drafts i actually have him listed as a wing um he's more of a wing than a big man in my opinion um but he's seven feet tall 200 pounds dude is real thin like he is (laughs) incredibly thin 
um, but he's got guard skills. Um, he's an like incredible passer for his size. Um, moves super well. He's got a, a great handle for a seven footer, and he's a versatile shooter. All of that, I'm just like I'm all in on Poku. Like I know a lot of people have him outside the top ten. I'm I'm all in on him. I I get that it's gonna he's gonna have to develop his body. Um, and he makes a lot of mistakes because he's got a very aggressive play style. He's not afraid to take chances and make make mistakes. Um, but I think he has so many avenues to being a really good player. Um, and he's just such a rare talent. He's so skilled for his size. Um, and I think if you put in the resources and you if a team works on developing him, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best players in the draft. So that's why I have him top five. Uh, but there is a little bit of risk uh, with taking him really high, and that's why I have him at number five. Um, there is some risk. I, I would have him higher. Like if there, if there wasn't as much risk, I would probably have him top three. But for now, I got him top five. Right, gotcha. And what and what what league did he play in? He played. I think I think he's from the team he played on was Olympiakos B. He played on like in this, Greece. I, I I think so. I can't remember okay. where he's actually or where he played in, but he played in like basically it was like I think it's like um, in, in America. I think it would be like high school level. Okay. So, so not like, e- not even like low division college, right? It, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But Giannis is playing against the same level of talent, so honestly, I don't care. But right, I know people gotcha. are going to question him because of that. Yeah. Okay. Another player I, we do got to talk about that I have that I'm lower on than the consensus is Obi Toppin because I know I'll, I know people love people love Obi. Absolutely, you know he. I guess he was uh, probably the the college prospect that caught my eye the most uh, this past season, and and of course, I feel I feel terrible for the Dayton program. Yeah, you know they were going to be what a number they were going to be a, a number one seed likely. Yep, going in the tournament and uh, and and Obi Toppin was going to have a chance to really uh, open some eyes during the tournament. So that was a unfortunate thing for him and for that program yeah uh, the, the 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 pandemic came in closed things down early but yeah tell me what you what do you think about obi yeah well first of all obi's probably like glad that he didn't play in the tournament because if he did he might be lower on my board because okay um and i'll get to the issue the reason why in a minute what i do like obi i think obi's a really good player um, offensively, he's insane. Like he is an incredible athlete, and I mean, he's one of the best offensive players in the draft. He can shoot the ball. Um, he's got good shooting indicators. He's like got great size. He's super athletic. Um, he's a great modern big man. But the one issue that that just just is catastrophic for him is his defense. He's one of the worst defenders in the class because although he's big, he, his lateral mobility is awful, and so he can't defend in space. He can't defend the pick and roll. And although he is like a really, really good offensive player, um, and he's kind of like John Collins offensively. Yeah, like, that's 
That's a good comparison. Yeah, and that's like a, that's like a very popular comparison, but I think it like makes sense. He's John Collins offensively, but he's going to get played off the floor defensively. And like in a playoff series, there's no way Obi Toppin is going to stay on the floor. Teams are going to hunt him down. They're going to put him in pick and rolls, and they're going to just keep doing that until he until you put him on the bench. And so I just don't think he can play any like valuable minutes in the playoffs the one thing he can do is help you win regular season games which is why he's a top 25 prospect in my eyes he's great offensively he's going to be a great regular season player um, i mean he's going to help you win games to make the playoffs but once the playoffs come around i don't know if he's going to be playable and so that's my well, issue with obi Toppin. you know in a case like that you know maybe you know, maybe Obi wasn't expected to, uh, you know, to to be a great defender for that yeah. particular program at Dayton. Uh, so, so you know, moving to the next level. Level? Do you think, like, with him, with his school uh, ability, do you think he could be coached up to be a better defender at the pro level? Uh, no, and the reason why is because his issue defensively is. It's is because he's really top heavy. The way he's is the way his body's built. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really, really top heavy. He's got heavy feet, and for that reason, that's I don't think is ever going to get fixed. If it could, I would have him really, really high. Um, right. But since I don't think it's like a fixable issue, I have him at twenty one. Gotcha. Okay. And I'm not even the lowest on Obi. I mean, I've seen big boards that have Obi even lower than this. So right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting because you know this you know, this time last year as the season's getting underway, you know, you're starting to see him on the on Sports Center at, at night with some highlight uh plays. Uh you know oh, yeah. you're thinking he's gonna be a top top five player by the end of the year. So anyway. No, I mean he he's good. I don't hate Obi. I think he's good. I think he's gonna be a great regular season player. But I, I care about the playoffs. I care about right. whether or not you're going to be able to impact the team and, and drive winning in the playoffs. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that because of his defensive issues. And that's why I have right. him at 21. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah. All right. All right. So let's get into my top, my the top of my list because I, I obviously have uh, I have Killian Hayes one. Um, I, he's a great passer. Um, and the reason why I have him over Lamelo, I struggled with that. I mean, I had I had Killian at one for a while, then I had Lamelo one, and I and I just I struggled with them. Those are my my one and my two. Those are like solid. That's my one two. Um, e- either one could be one. I think they're really really close. The reason why I have Killian Hayes above Lamelo Ball is a his off his defense. I have. Uh, the tendency to value two-way players more or, or to just value two-way players highly. Um, and I think that Killian Hayes' off-ball defense sets him apart from LaMelo. LaMelo is a great player, and I think LaMelo honestly has a higher upside than Killian Hayes. I don't think he's going to hit it, but I think it does have a higher upside uh, mm-hmm. because he is such a – he's an elite ball handler. He's an elite passer. He's just an elite creator, and I think he's going to be able to create his own shot at a high level at the next in the NBA. I think he's going to be able to attack the basket, and he's the best playmaker in the draft. My issue with Lamelo is that he is not a very efficient shooter. Um, he's got a really 
um, unorthodox shooting or shooting mechanics. That's got to get cleaned up. He does have good touch around the rim, but his free throw percentage is a little bit low. It's around 70%. Um, I actually do buy the shot improving, but that is something – that's an area of concern for me. I'm also concerned about his defense. He doesn't always have the best effort on that end of the floor. Um, he does have some potential with the size and his instincts, but right now he's just a pretty poor defender. And if he's not able to shoot the ball, and if he's a, a, a negative on the defensive end, I just don't think he's going to be the best player in the class. And I don't think there's going to be an issue with Killian. Killian's a great passer. I mean, he's a developing shot creator. He's Really, a really good off-ball defender. He's also big. He's strong. He's not a great athlete, uh, but offensively, he's got great footwork. He's great at getting to the basket, and then he's got great footwork when he attack attacks the basket. I will. I, I'm a huge fan of Killian Hayes, and he's gonna go low. Like I, I see. Like I saw a mock draft that ESPN did. I had Killian Hayes going 12. Like, mm. like come on, right. That that's just ridiculous. Like, I I don't know I don't know how you can watch Killian Hayes and have him that low. Like I don't understand yeah. what the issue is with M- I don't know like what the issue is for NBA teams. I don't know why the NBA se- the NBA seems to not like Killian Hayes that much. Like I know the, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So he's he and he's he's a playmaker. He's, yeah. He's gonna be, you know. Uh, initiating the offense, uh, whoever he goes to, correct? Yeah, and he but he's like a developing shot creator. So this year, he kind of implemented some like step backs into his game, um, like some James Harden double step backs, which is incredibly impressive for his mm-hmm. age because he's 19 years old, um, and, and and he had such a huge, um, like his game improved so much this year. Like last year, he was probably like a borderline lottery pick. Like he was going to be lucky to be selected in the lottery, but mm-hmm. now he's like every big board I see on Twitter, people have him like top three. And so, okay. but now the NBA has a different idea of him. Like the NBA is like, yeah, he's a top 10 pick, but he's not better than LaMelo Ball or Tyrese Halliburton. I think the difference between Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton is like a million miles. I mean, Killian Hayes is way way better than Tyrese Halliburton. It's not even close, in my opinion. The, the level of competition uh, Hayes uh, faced, uh, what, h- how do you rank that? I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not like – it's not the EuroLeague. Uh, the EuroLeague is like – that's the league that Luka Doncic played in. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the second-best league in the world. It's the league that Danny Abdia played in. Um, he didn't play in the EuroLeague. He played in the Euro Cup, and I forgot what the, what the league he played in for a majority of the time. Um, it wasn't bad. Like it wasn't the 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 talent he was going up against wasn't as bad as the talent that Alexei Pokushevsky was going up against. Right. Um, but it wasn't like the elite talent that you, that you'll find in the Euro League. And 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 you think Hayes could pique the interest of uh, of the Timberwolves at, at at the number one pick, right? Actually, I don't. Um, you don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think he fits really very well with the Timberwolves um, because he he needs the ball in his hands. He can't really play off the ball, um, and that's one reason one reason why I don't have him as like a potential superstar. If he could play off the ball, 
and hit spot up jumpers, I don't really see like a, a huge flaw with him. Um, uh, but he can't really play off the ball, so that limits his value a little bit. Um, and since he can't play off the ball, I don't think he'll be a good fit in Minnesota because he and D'Angelo Russell are kind of – they're pretty similar. Yes. Um, and they both need the ball in their hands. Um, so I, I don't think he'd be a good fit there. I think he'd be a great fit in Charlotte, in um, Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit. If he goes to the – I think he, like, if he goes to the Pistons, I am going to be ecstatic because I think that's probably the best fit. That would be a mm-hmm. great place for him to develop. He'll have the ball in his hands. He'll dominate the ball. He'll get a ton of reps as the primary initiator there. And I think that, that'll be a great fit for him. Uh, but I think he'll probably go somewhere uh, – probably, he'll probably go to either Detroit, um, the Knicks, or he'll go to maybe the Wizards – yeah, depending on the status of John Wall, I don't know like what his health is looking like, or the Suns. Like, he'll, I don't, and maybe I don't know about that because they just got Chris Paul. Chris but, Paul, but, yeah. But at that point, like the value may just be too good. Right. But yeah, gotcha. I think I think he's gonna go a lot lower than he should. I think right. he should. I think he should be a guaranteed top four pick. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right, so another player I want to talk about, Anthony Edwards. Um, I like yep. I like I like Anthony Edwards. He's number three on my board. Um, he does scare me a little bit. He's scary, a scary player. Uh, he's incredibly like he's his athleticism off the charts. He's mm-hmm. got size. Uh, he's got that. Uh, that he's got the potential to be a a high level shot creator and a primary initiator. That's why he's so high on my board and. Just take a look at the take a look at the Michigan State game. Just watch the second half. That's the Anthony Edwards game. He was yeah. hitting step back, step back jumpers. He was hitting shots uh, off pull ups. He had, he was playing like great passes. He was throwing yeah. the needle in transition. Like that game, I was like, huh, yes, I love yeah. Anthony Edwards. But right. he's not a good defender right now, um, and that's mainly due to just. He doesn't have a high basketball IQ, and I think part of that is because he hasn't been playing basketball that long. I, th- he, I believe he started playing basketball in high school because he started playing football. Like that was the first sport he ever played. Right. Um, but then he switched to basketball. Started playing basketball full time in high school, so he hasn't really been playing basketball that long. He's just so naturally gifted, and he's still got a ways to go. Um, I think his passing is really underrated. I think he's a, like a, a really underrated passer. There's a bunch of clips from this season where he's just making really, really good reads in transition, um, in the post. I think that part of his game is underrated, but his shot selection is horrendous, and his defense is not good. And so that scares me a little bit, um, but I still think the upside is, is too good to pass up uh, at some point. Yeah, you know, I I watched Edwards quite a bit um, this past year, and one thing I noticed is uh, he he settled for the jump shot uh, too much. Yeah. You know, he he, he made much more of an impact in in the games that he he played in when he he went to the hole with the ball, took it to the hole strong, and uh, he just didn't do that enough. Yeah. He, he settled for outside jumpers and three pointers uh, uh, 
uh, you know, too much uh, with, you know, considering the, the power and strength and the ability he has to take the ball to the hole. Uh, he, he needs to do that more at the next level. Yep. Yeah, like he's 6'5", 225. He's built like a linebacker, with like, yep. and he's got like a 40-inch vertical. Why are you settling right. for jump shots? Come yeah, on. exactly. You need to attack the rim. Like his free throw rate should have been like 60% in college. He's too good of an athlete to not just be dominant and just right. to be one of the most dominant finishers in, in, in college basketball. Like Mason Jones from Arkansas, um, who I have as like a top 40 player, he is like a horrible athlete. He's a terrible athlete. Um, slow, can't jump high. And so he's got to use. He's got to take. He's got to use his footwork um, and his misdirection to his advantage. His free throw rate was over sixty percent, which is in, in, insane. He should he should not have a higher free throw rate than Anthony Edwards. That should just right. that should not happen. Like Anthony right. Edwards should have been attacking the basket a lot more than he did this this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it you know. It was a, it was a challenging learning curve for Edwards. Uh, didn't have the greatest uh, supporting cast there at Georgia. Yeah, and uh, you know it was it somewhat of a of a challenge for him. It, it might have suited him better to uh, maybe go to a little more competitive program, such as in North Carolina or you know some some you know uh, these other schools that, that finished. Behind Georgia, uh, you know, he Georgia was just fortunate that uh, he wanted to play close to home and have his family, uh, uh, you know, able to come see him play. Um, yeah. That that's what benefited Georgia in his decision. But he probably would have been better suited to play in a little more competitive program, a little more competitive uh, conference, you know, such as maybe the ACC. That would have yeah. probably done him better. I know his the other team he was deciding between was he was he was deciding between Georgia and Kentucky. Yeah, um, I don't know how good the fit would have been with Kentucky, because um, I, I I guess they would have stuck with Ashton Hagens as their starting point guard and having Hagens, Maxi, Tyrese Maxi, and a- Anthony Edwards. Like I, I <laughs> like the shooting percentages for those three guys combined would have been like unbearable to watch like it, it would have been unbearable to watch those guys miss shot after shot after shot so he probably would have been better he probably he probably made the right decision honestly right gotcha well you know he's still gonna be he'll he'll be a top three for sure i i, I would think yeah no I, doubt maybe, maybe number one yeah yeah um but yeah all right any questions do you have any questions about my big board Anything you're curious about? About oh, you, the rest, you, you know, your board and all. Um, yeah. So, it, it, you, do you do you base uh, your board on kind of the style of play, kind of where the NBA is going, or are there certain certain guys that are on your board that uh, uh, that have a skill set that uh, you know? puts them where they are, whereas, you know, five, five or ten years ago, they, they may not be on that board. It, you know, it, it seems like in the NBA, the the trend is for, uh, you know, size, these, these players that have the ability to come in with size, but also the ability to, to handle the ball, distribute the ball, and do a lot of things. 
uh, you know, to go along with the size that they have. So uh, there's probably a handful of guys on that board that, that fit that criteria. Yeah. So I, um, great question. I, I prioritize guys who can hand guys who can be primary initiators at the next level, which means basically you can be the lead ball handler or just, you can be the number one guy and you can lead the offense like Killian Hayes, for example, he's an elite passer, a great ball handler. He can attack the basket um, and he can create his own shot off the dribble. He's a guy that can be a primary initiator. He can initiate the offense and he can be the lead guard of an NBA team, as can LaMelo Ball. Um, now, one guy um, that I don't believe fits that criteria is Kyra Lewis, who I'm also high on. I don't think he has that same upside. Um, I think he'll probably be a secondary ball handler. Um, I don't think he's going to be a primary initiator at the next level. So I have him lower. I have him at seven rather than being in like my first tier of players. Like my first tier is made up of mostly guys I think can be primary initiators. My, my top tier is uh, Killian Hayes, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Onyeko Okongwu, and Alexei Pogoshevsky. And so I prioritize uh, primary initiators. And then after that, I prioritize, prioritize guys that will be really qual- like high-level starters, quality starters. Maybe they're not the best player on the team, they're gonna they're gonna be impactful starters despite not being the star of the team. And that's mainly like my tier two guys, like Devin Vassell, Tyrese Maxey, Cole Anthony, Kyra Lewis, Denny Abia, Isaac Okoro, those kind of guys. Um and and I I love like my two favorite types of players are uh, point ball handlers that can be primary initiators and big wings that can defend and that can create their own shot off the dribble. So that's why I'm really high on Devin Vassell from Florida State. He's a wing. I have him at, no, at number six. And his pull-up shooting is the reason why he's above Isaac Okoro and Denny Avdia. Um, but I also love Isaac Okoro because he can defend. And yeah. I, I'm not like a huge stats guy. Um, I, I'm not like – in today's world, there's like it's like you're either a stats guy or you're a film guy. I'm like in the middle. I look at both. Like I like to because if you're just gonna look at stats, you don't really know you're you're missing the context of what role players are playing and players' play styles because that can't be seen in numbers. But if you're just looking at the film, like to get to get the the whole picture, you're honestly going to have to watch every single game a player plays, and you're going to have to track everything yourself. And so you have to look at numbers, and you have to look at the film. And for me, I think there's like four factors that really impact the result of a basketball game. That's um, efficiency. Um, that's the ability to stop the other team from scoring. Um, the ability to force turnovers and the ability to grab offensive rebounds. Those are known as, um, oh man, uh, uh, I think Dean's four factors of basketball. Um, the, I forget the guy's name, but he, he wrote a book called Basketball on Paper and he did a lot of stuff with basketball analytics. And he, he basically found four factors of, or four stats 
that uh, correlated to winning in, in basketball, and those were the four stats. And so I looked, I looked for guys that can impact those four stats at the next level, guys who are going to be able to force turnovers, guys who are going to be efficient, guys who, who just defend, um, and then guys who can grab offensive rebounds. Those guys are valuable um, to a certain extent. Um, but guys who can who can stop the other team or keep the other team from being efficient and be efficient um, and not turn the ball over, those guys are really valuable. Um, and so that, like, Killian Hayes fits that criteria. That's why he's really high on my board. Devin Vassell, he fits that criteria. That's why he's higher on my board. Um, and so I'm not, like, I don't take – I'm not too heavily reliant on stats, uh, but I do look at them. And, I mean, I was looking at – there's a website called Bartorvik.com, and you can, like, filter players or filter college basketball players using different criteria. Um, and I was looking at, like, like steal rate or steal percentage. If you have a steal percentage of 2.5% as a perimeter player, that's a historic um, – historically, that's been a good indicator of whether or not a player is going to be a good defender at the next level. And so when you filter – that out, and then you filter guys who who have a true shooting percentage of sixty percent. And true shooting percentage, basically, it takes into account twos, threes, and free throws, and it weights threes more heavily than twos because threes are worth they're just worth more points than twos. And so, true shooting percentage is the best indicator of efficiency in basketball. So, it, and so I filtered by that. Then I filtered by free throw percentage. And so some of the guys that ranked really highly in those categories are really high on my board. And that happened on accident. So like you can kind of see like a correlation between um, like stats and guys that are really high on my board. Um, and some of that was on purpose. Some of it wasn't. But I, I really like guys who can handle the ball, um, who can be primary initiators at the next level, wings who can shoot, who can – score efficiently, score off the dribble, and defend. And then for my bigs, I like my bigs to be able to play any type of pick-and-roll coverage. I, li- I like guys who can defend in space, rebound block shots, do all of that. Um, and sometimes bigs aren't as good defensively, but if they can shoot the ball, I'll value them highly. Correct. Yep. But, yeah, that's how gotcha. I really well, it, Yeah, it's uh... – Got to, you know, you can't be just one dimensional, right? In this uh, day and time, in the NBA, you got to, got to have a uh, different different levels of skill. Yep, yep, definitely, yeah. And um, this, I, I'm really glad I'm done watching this class because I know the next two draft classes are they're supposedly incredible, so I can't wait. Um, right. I already started watching uh, Cade Cunningham, who was a. Mm-hmm. He's, he's number two on ESPN's top 100 rankings. He's going to Oklahoma State. I'm watching yeah. every single Oklahoma State game. There's not an Oklahoma State game I'm not watching because that dude, he's a stud. How, how, did, how did Oklahoma State get him? His brother is on their coaching staff. There you go. So, <laughs> yep. I figured there had to be something yep. <laughs> there to, to get him to go to Oklahoma State. Well, it's kind of like Anthony Edwards going to Georgia last year. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so one more thing I want to talk about my board before we get into the mock draft, because the mock draft is crazy. Uh, I can't wait to get into that. Uh, there are a few guys I'm higher than. 
uh, than the or I'm higher on than the consensus guys like um, Killian Hayes, Poku. Those two guys are my my first tier. Uh, then I have Vassell. I love Devin Vassell. Uh, I hope the Hawks get him. Um, I love Devin Vassell. Kyron Lewis. I have him at number seven. Then I have eight Isaac Coro, nine Denny Avdia. 10, Tyrell Terry. I love Tyrell Terry. He's an elite shooter. Um, he he has a really weak handle, and he has some issues that I really not or that I really um, not Tyrese Halliburton for. Um, but he's a very good off-ball defender. He's a, a good playmaker. There's something about him. I can't really explain it. There's something about Tyrell Terry. Um, so I'm all in on him. I have him number 10. I did not expect to have him number 10. Um, I thought I was like, I know a lot of people on draft Twitter are really high on Tyrell, Tyrell Terry, and I thought I was lower on him than those guys were, but evidently I'm not. Uh, number 11, Cole Anthony. He had a rough season, uh, but he's still a great shot creator. Um, so I like him. Tyrese Halliburton, I'm lower on than the consensus. Patrick Williams, a uh, very intriguing player, high upside. Showed flashes of being a good pull-up shooter uh, and a good passer. He's also a good athlete. He's big, and he's a great team defender like him. Desmond Bain, love him. He's, he's number 15 for me. He can shoot the lights out of the ball while also being a pretty good passer. Malachi Flynn from San Diego State had an excellent year. He was one of the best players in college basketball, and I think his game's going to translate. He's at 16 for me. Uh, Grant Riller. Uh, from Charleston, he had a good year. Um, his advanced metrics are insane, but he's he's six three. He's one of the best offensive players in the draft. He's probably the best finisher in the draft. Um, he's got a great first step. He's an electric scorer. Can't really do much besides that. Uh, but his scoring is lethal enough for me to put him in my top twenty. Xavier Tillman, love him. He's my my second-ranked big man, um, I love Xavier Tillman. Not flashy, just does – he does the dirty work. He sets really good screens. He's a great defender. Um, he, can, he can play any type of pick-and-roll coverage, and he's the best passing big in the class. All that combined, I love it. I'm all in on Xavier Tillman. Uh, Jalen Smith, like him. Let's see, anybody else? Isaiah Joe. I like Isaiah Joe. He's a wing from Arkansas, one of the better shooters in the draft. I think he's got some upside defensively, um, and he can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off spot ups. He's got deep range. I like him. He he does have to work on his frame though. He is very skinny, and he he's weak right now. So that's something he's got to work on. Uh, Killian Tilly, Killian Tilly. He's a big man from Gonzaga. He has an injury issue. His career, his collegiate career, was plagued with injuries. If that wasn't the case. He would be in my top uh, 15 easily. He's easily better than James Wiseman, in my opinion. The reason why I have him lower is because I can't trust his health. Um, but he's one of the most skilled big men in the class. He can shoot. He's switchable. He's a good defender. I love Killian Tilly. If he can stay healthy, he is going to be a steal in this draft. Um, anybody else that I'm like high on? I don't really think so. I think that's it. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. Really. Are there any uh, are there any guys that uh, 
you know, that might be on the board um, that had some eligibility in school, you know, could probably could have benefited from another year in school that would have mm. put them in a much higher position? Oh, that's a good question. Um, not really. Like, honestly, right. no. Maybe, like, Tyrell Terry would have benefited in the eyes of scouts because he's really small and he's got a thin frame. He did work on that uh, during quarantine, but I think he could have benefited from that. I'm high on him, but I know the NBA is not as high as I am. He's going to be a first-round pick, but he probably could have been a lottery pick next year. So he's a guy. Um, but I don't think he could have risen that much because I, I think he's going to get drafted higher than people think. There's not yeah. a lot of guys that went pro that shouldn't have. I think uh, gotcha. guys that needed to stay did. Guys that needed to come out did. So right. not gotcha. a lot of guys that should have stayed. Right. Okay. But, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right, let's move on to my mock draft. Let's get to All that right. because I would love to spend like five hours talking about my big board, but I cannot do that. <laughs> All right. Um, Man, it, it, it took me a while just to kind of yeah. try to read through it. Yeah. All right, so. my mock draft. <laughs> number one, did you, read, did you get to the mock draft? I did. I did. All right, so number one, I had the Minnesota Timberwolves taking – not LaMelo Ball, not James Wiseman, not Anthony Edwards. I had him taking Nevin Vassell. And I know if that happens on draft night, Twitter, Timberwolves fans are going to jump off a building. <laughs> yeah. But here's the case for Nevin Vassell at number one. Here's the case. And I think it's a good case. Um, I don't think any of the top guys fit well with them. LaMelo doesn't really fit well with them. I don't think Anthony Edwards makes sense logically because they need a wing. Malik Beasley's a free agent. Um, they need a wing. But I, he, he needs to go to a place that's going to help him develop as an off-ball player, help him develop as a defender. I don't think Minnesota is that place. I think if he goes to Minnesota, he's going to score a lot of points, but I don't think he's going to ever develop into an impactful player. So I didn't want to, to, to – if I were the Timberwolves, I wouldn't take Anthony Edwards, although I, I think they will go with Edwards on draft night. I don't think that's a huge mistake. He's the best fit out of the consensus, consensus top three guys. I just don't think he's going to develop um, into the player he could. I don't think that's the best fit for him. Um, but I think the Timberwolves, I think they want to contend now. I think they want to be competitive right away because they have a star in, in Carl Anthony Towns. I think they want to keep him, um, and they don't want him to leave. And so I think the guy that will help them win now but also is has a high enough upside to be worth the, the reach here, I think that's Devin Vassell. He's a, a great wing. He can defend. He's the best team defender in the draft. He can shoot off the dribble. Um, I, I think he fits really, really, really well in Minnesota. And although it is a reach, I think he's got a high enough upside to make it to make it worth the pick. Um, and, and honestly, they just need to trade the pick. But for my mock draft, there were no trades. So I had to pick a player. And so I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm taking Devin Vassell. I also consider okay. taking Lamella Ball there because he can play off the ball. But I like that would be such a, a terrible trio defensively. Him, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I, I 
no, I can't handle watching that team play defense. Right. And I, I considered Poku, but I think the Timberwolves want to be competitive. So I, I don't think like I don't think they're gonna be um patient enough to wait on Poku to develop his body. Because I think it's gonna take a year, at least a year for Poku to have an impact. Yes. So um he fits that roster, but I just don't think like the timelines don't match. So I ev- right. eventually I just went with Devin Vassell. Okay. Gotcha. Um, number two, I had the Golden State Warriors taking Anthony Edwards. Um, right. They just need depth, and I think that that's the best spot for him to develop. Um, that's like the best fit for Anthony Edwards, and I think I think the Warriors the Warriors will do a great job of developing him, working on his defense, working with him being an off ball player. That's something he struggles with. I think they're going to work on that, um, and I think he'll benefit greatly from being behind. Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and also um, under the teaching of their head coach Steve Kerr. So I like that spot for him. Yeah, I think that would be a that would be a system uh, yeah. where he could really uh, improve on all of his uh, skills. And yep. uh, yeah, there, there there's certain franchises, certain you know teams that uh, a player can be picked that. Uh, might be kind of no man's land for him, but uh, for for Edwards, I think Golden State would be a, a a great great landing spot for him. Yep, I have him number three on my big board. If he goes to Golden State, um, I don't see why he couldn't become the best player in the class. I think he just needs to go somewhere that's going to be patient with him, that's not going to ask him to do too much, that's going to work, that's going to just put in a lot of resources to help to help develop his defense. Um, and because he's a raw player, he hasn't been playing basketball that long. You need to be patient with him. You need to work with him on his deficiencies. And eventually, he can become a, an elite player. Uh, but it's going to take some time. And it's not going to be smooth sailing. You're going to have to work with him. But I think that's a great spot for him. Right. Gotcha. I number three, I had Killian Hayes going to the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets, they need talent. Um, so I went with best player available. I get that Devontae Graham had a great season, but he's not good enough for them to not go with Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes is the pick. Um, this could also be LaMelo Ball. Um, either will be great options for them. Uh, Chicago Bulls, I went with LaMelo. They needed playmaking. Everyone says, like, whenever um, I see, like, LaMelo mocked to Chicago, everyone on Twitter says, oh, but they have uh, Kobe White. Come on, no. Like if if you let Kobe White keep you from drafting Lamelo Ball, you that yeah. <laughs> you need to be fired. Like Correct. Kobe, Kobe White's good. He can, he can score the ball, but he's not an efficient scorer. He's not a playmaker. He can't defend. And so, I'm drafting Lamelo Ball. I'm putting Kobe White Kobe White on the bench, which is probably his best role. And then I'm gonna have Lamelo Ball and Zach Levine as my that's my backcourt, and that's a little bit rough defensively, but at this point, uh, Killian Hayes is gone. You need a, a playmaking point guard, and LaMelo Ball is my, second on my board, so I'm taking LaMelo. Number five, this is where it gets interesting. Cleveland, or I mean, I don't know. It got interesting with the first pick, but hey, let's go off the board. Let's go a little bit off the wall here at number five. I had the Cavs taking Alexei Pokushevsky. Um, I, I don't know how Cavs fans – are still alive. I don't know how they haven't like just 
ended their life dealing with this franchise because the Cavs have they've had so many high picks. None of them like in the the young guys on their team are solid, but none of them have like that star potential. They're all just quality starters, um, but none of them have that high upside. And last year, for whatever reason, they traded for Andre Drummond's horrendous contract, which made no sense. Like they're they're paying Andre Drummond so much money, and that 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 was a dumb trade. Their GM needs to be fired for that alone. Like I don't that that was just a really bad decision, and it hurts them because they should be in a good situation with their salary cap. But they're not because they're paying Kevin Love a lot. He doesn't want to be there. They're paying Andre Drummond a lot of money to be a good rebounder. Like, why are you doing that? Um, and so they have both of those guys for like three years. Like, they have them for a long time. And so they're just in uh, – I mean, I, I can't believe their salary cap situation. So at this point, they could take Isaac Okoro. He would be a good fit. Um, honestly, the best the best situation for them is if one of the best point guards falls. Like if Killian Hayes or Lamelo falls to them, that would be a, a, the best situation. But since none of them fell, I just went with a, the guy with the highest upside, someone that'll that'll take a that's gonna be like uh, I don't know how to explain it. So Alex Alexei Pugashevsky, he's a he's like the second highest player on my board. Right here, he's got the potential to be a star, and he's going to take like a year or two to to fully develop and to be an impact player. And so, in those two years, you lose like two years will go by on Drummond and Love's contract. So at that point, you'll have I, I believe like a year or two on both of those guys' contracts. So you'll be able to trade them, get rid of them, and then you'll be able to clear up some space. You bring in Poku. You let him just have total control of the ball. Let him just go off. Um, let him make mistakes. Just let him develop. And let him get get accustomed to the NBA. It's a risk, but at this point, the Cavs suck. So, like, this is the best pick, in my opinion. Um, I feel bad for them that they didn't get a higher pick because they need a playmaking point guard, um, and they're in, in a terrible cap situation. Uh, but they did this to themselves, and at this point, the best pick considering their roster and their salary cap situation is Poku. So that's why I went with him. Is the, who now? Is, oh, okay, gotcha. I, I'm with you now. I'm with you. Yeah. So, All right. So uh, we're both Hawks fans. So I want to talk yep. about the Hawks pick. Um, I believe that you can never have too many wings, and so for Correct. our for our team, I think we need. Um, I think we need to take the best wing defender available because Trey Young, um, I love the guy, but he sucks defensively. He's one of the worst defenders in NBA history. That's a fact. You can deny, like Hawks fans can deny it all they want, but he sucks defensively. So what we got to do is we got to surround him with good defenders. So why not select another another wing defender in Isaac Okoro? Um Killian Hayes might be available, and if Hayes is available at six on draft night, I would seriously consider taking him because at that point, I think the value is just too – like it might be too good to pass up. The fit is a little bit questionable, 
Um, but my sell on Hayes to the Hawks would be if you draft Hayes, you can play Trey Young off the ball more, um, which would that would improve Trey Young's game. That would weaponize him in a way that he hasn't been utilized before. Um, I think that'll improve his game. That puts Hayes in the best spot possible. Maybe he can develop Hayes' off ball um, or his improve his ability to play off the ball. And so maybe that'll work. But if not, I would take Isaac Okoro or Devin Vassell. I hope that happens on draft night. Um, one of those guys will be my pick. But for here, uh, in this situation, Isaac Okoro is available, so I'm taking him. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I, I think his, his, uh, his, he, there's a lot of upside potential with it on his offensive game, but his defensive game, is uh is NBA ready? I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the best on-ball defender in the class. Like he's a yeah. stud. I'm I, I'm worried about his offense, but at some point, like, like it, it's kind of rare to get guys that can be locked down on-ball defenders. And so, I mean, he shot 67 percent from the free throw line, which isn't great, <laughs> and it, his shot, shooting mechanics aren't awful. Um. They could be a little bit better. There are some adjustments to make to it. But I think that there is something there with the shot. I think you can – I think it can improve to where he's going to be able – like where defenses are going to have to close out. At this point, teams are not going to close out on him because he's not a confident shooter and he's not a good shooter. So those two combined is a recipe for disaster. So like when we put him in the corner on offense um, – Teams aren't going to close out, but if he improves as a shooter, I think teams are going to be forced to close out on him. He's going to be able to take guys off the dribble and attack the basket. So that's key to for him to reach his, his like potential. But I think I think I think the Hawks are a really good fit for Coro. There you go. If Fine. they don't trade, yeah. If they don't trade. And in, in this mock draft, in, in this mock draft, I had no trade. I didn't trade. Yeah, absolutely, you trade, had to. So. You have to. Yeah, exactly. Can't assume trades. Yeah. Um, all right. Number seven, Pistons. I had the Pistons taking Kyra Lewis. Um, Onyeka Okongwu is the highest player on my board at this point, but they they have Christian Wood, a center, who is hitting free agency. I think they are going to resign him, and I think they should resign him. Um, and at that point, I don't like having two big men. Like, this is 2020. It's not the mid-2000s. It's not the 90s. Like, we we have to just – at some point, we have to admit that having two bigs is not is not going to drive winning in today's NBA. So, I'm going to take Kyrie Lewis, who I think has the potential to be a really, really good point guard. If you draft him, they can trade Derrick Rose. They can move on from him, get some value for him. And then they can just get, give Kyra Lewis the keys to the offense, and that's a great spot for him to develop into potentially a primary initiator. Uh, he's got a lot of developing to do to reach that point, but Detroit will be a great spot for that to happen for him. So, gotcha. yeah. Just I, taking, I, huh? reading, reading your uh, mock draft, uh, you're, I, I could tell you're not a big fan of the, the – Pistons roster. <laughs> it is terrible. Like, it is so bad. Like, uh, it, it, it you didn't, didn't really mention words about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's the truth. Like I said, 
Because I said, yeah, I said the Pistons just need talent at this point because they suck, which is, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, so number nine. When I was doing this, I did not expect Onyeko Okongwu to be this low because I'm, like, really high on Onyeka. I love Onyeka. But I had him falling to nine. That's just how the board fell. Um, a lot, Not a lot of teams need bids. Um, and so it's just kind of kind of the way everything fell. Um, so Onyeka goes to Washington. They need help defensively. That's a great fit. And at this point, it's just best player available. Like, the value is too good. And number right. 10. So at number 10, I originally had Tyrell Terry, but I made some adjustments today after the Chris Paul trade. Now I have the Suns taking Tyrese Maxey. Um, on draft night, if Devin Vassell is available, they need to pick him. Because that that gives them a a five man lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Devin Vassell, Michael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton, and that that five man lineup is awesome, and that has the potential to be one of the more effective five man lineups in the NBA. If that happens, I mean, I I hope that happens because that that'll be a really fun team to watch. But gotcha. um, with the way everything fell, I had Tyrese Maxey going to Phoenix. Um, this is really – they don't need much because, like, at this point, they have a pretty solid starting five. Uh, so I just really went with best player available. Or not best player available, but best best wing available. And for me, that was Tyrese Maxey. Um, although they could go with Patrick Williams. But I think Maxey gives them a backup ball handler. Someone who can run like the point on uh, on with their second unit, um, but he's also just got a lot of upside. If his shooting improves, that'll be a that'll be a that could be a good spot for him. Let's see any any interesting picks. Patrick Williams to the Spurs. They can develop his shot. Um, I know that's a popular spot for him to go. Although it looks like he's going to go to the Pistons at seven. Um, which, I mean, kind of makes sense for their roster. I just don't – I don't value Williams that highly. Number 12, I have the Kings selecting Desmond Bain. Um, and the reason why is because they're probably going to lose um, Buddy Hewitt at some point. Bogdanovich, uh, their, their uh, shooting guard, he's hitting free agency. I don't know what's going to happen with him. And so I just really went with best, best wing available, and that was Desmond Bain. Who's one of the is, best shooters is, in the draft? Is Buddy Hill? Is you you said something about him wanting to wanting to be out of Sacramento? Is that is there? Are they having issues there? Uh, yeah, like he's it, he's been really unhappy there for like gotcha. a year a year now. So okay, okay, they're probably going to get rid of him uh, pretty soon. And so if that happens, they have a need for a shooting guard. Yeah, and Desmond Bain. I mean, I have him fifteenth on my board. He's a great shooter. Um, he needs to improve his on-ball defense because he's not a great athlete, but he's one of the best shooters in the class. He can handle the ball a little bit. Um, he's a very, a really good, an underrated passer, and so I think it's worth worth it at number twelve. And then at number okay. thirteen, um, Desmond Bain would be a great fit in New Orleans, um, but he's off the board. Tyrese Halliburton is is. Um, I, do I have no? I have I have Cole Anthony higher than Tyrese Halliburton. I have Cole Anthony going to New Orleans because I was not impressed 
with Lonzo Ball in the bubble, he was pretty bad in the uh, when the NBA came back. And if they don't want to resign Lonzo when his contract is up, if they take Cole Anthony, they can just slide him in as their starting point guard, um, and he he'll do just fine because he's an elite shot creator. Um, I think his passing is a bit underrated. Um, he's not a, he's not a great passer, but he's good enough. Um, and his point of attack defense is it, it, it's pretty solid. So I think um, just I think at this point you're just you're just you're looking ahead, looking at uh, your your payroll, looking at what you want to do with Lonzo Ball, and if you don't want to resign him, which I'm a little bit bullish on resigning him. I would go with Cole Anthony. I think it's a good value here. Um, and I think he can play off the ball. He could run with the second unit. He can replace Frank Jackson as their backup point guard, or he could be their future starting point guard. Either way, I think th- this is drafting Cole Anthony gives them a lot of interesting possibilities for the future. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, number 14, I have the Celtics taking Tyrese Halliburton. I'm lower on Halliburton, but this would be a great spot for him. And he fits that roster really well with his playmaking and his spot-up shooting. Um, that'd be a great fit. Then Orlando, I have them taking Tyrell Terry. Uh, good pick. I think it's good value at this point. Uh, they need offense, and boy, can Tyrell Terry shoot the ball. So slide him in. Number 16, Josh Green. Um, don't think he's really worth the 16th pick. But the Trailblazers desperately need a wing defender. And Josh Green is the best wing defender at this point. And I think for the Trailblazers to ever make a deep playoff run, they they need somebody that can play defense, someone that can play next to CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, someone who can hit spot-up jumpers. Uh, Josh Green is that guy. And I, so I think it's worth the reach. That's why I had him going there. Then at 17, Minnesota Timberwolves, I had them taking Xavier Tillman. I know that um, Timberwolves fans would want to kill me if I were their GM, but I'm telling you, if they drafted Devin Vassell and Xavier Tillman, it, w- it would work out. Their defense <laughs> would be a heck of a lot better. I, I, I know it's not the sexy picks, but I think, I think it would work out. If they take Xavier Tillman at 17 – I will give them a round of applause. That'll be a great pick because Carl Anthony Towns is not a good defender. Xavier Tillman is. Xavier Tillman doesn't need to even start. He can come off the bench, um, and he just he makes up for Towns' deficiencies as a defender. Um, and and if you want to play him at the four uh, for any for like a small amount of time during a game, you can. So I think that's a great pick. It's a great fit. I I, I would love this pick for Minnesota. Then at eighteen, I had the Mavericks taking Grant Miller. Uh, I think the Mavericks need a secondary uh, creator next to Luka Doncic um, and someone that can play off the ball. I have Malachi Flynn ranked higher than Grant Riller, but Riller is a better off-ball player, so I had him mocked to Dallas. 19, I had the next taking Isaiah Joe. Joe is not going to be a first-round pick, I don't think. I would honestly be kind of surprised if he is because I haven't seen him mocked in the first round, Um, but he gives the Nets some shooting, and it looks like they're going to lose Joe Harris. Joe Harris might be coming to Atlanta. 
I well, said, that's I, yeah. I've heard I've heard that possibility uh, about Harris. I don't coming. Yeah, I don't I don't love the idea of paying Joe Harris a ton of money, but I love Joe Harris. So like, and we have a ton yes. of cap. So like, right? Maybe maybe it'll be worth it. Um, I just don't. I think I don't think that Joe Harris's value is gonna is is worth how much we're gonna pay him because it sounds like we're gonna pay him a lot of money. I'm hoping it's not like if we pay him twenty million dollars, I'm gonna be a little bit upset. Um, I just don't think he provides enough value to be worth twenty million dollars. But Correct. he's a great shooter exactly. and he would fit our team like seamlessly. So I'm glad we're looking at him. Um, and back to okay, Isaiah Joe. Yeah, he's one of the best shooters in the draft. The Nets need shooting. They need a guy that can play off the ball. Someone that can play off of Kyrie and Kevin Durant and potentially James Harden uh, if they get him. But if they get Harden, they probably trade this pick. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought about giving them James Wiseman here because their centers are Jared Allen and um, DeAndre Jordan. I don't know why DeAndre Jordan plays ever. He shouldn't. He's way past his prime. Uh, Jared (laughs) Allen should be their starting center like full-time. They don't like Jarrett Allen, and I think Wiseman is a better player than Allen. But um, I think it would be a better a better use of resources to to replace Joe Harris with another elite shooter in Isaiah Joe. I think I think that would be a better use of resources. That's why I went with Isaiah Joe over Wiseman. But I admit Wiseman would be a really good fit in Brooklyn. Okay, All right, let's run through these. Malachi Flynn to the Heat. They need someone someone that can have an impact in the playoffs now. Malachi Flynn is that kind of player. Also, Goran Dragic is hitting free agency right now. Um, so if they lose him, Malachi Flynn can step in and replace him um, and be a pretty good replacement. Number 21, I have the 76ers taking Aaron Naismith. They need shooting badly. They need people that can shoot and that can spread the floor. Um, it would be great if they can get a guy like Malachi Flynn Grant Riller or Tyrell Terry to be a secondary creator next to Ben Simmons. That's what they really need, but none of those guys are available. And at this point, you just need someone that can shoot the ball and that can spread the floor. And the best shooter available is is probably Aaron Naismith. So I'm taking him. Okay. Number 22, I have them go. I have the Nuggets going with Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is too talented to fall any further. They also. They have Paul Millsap. I don't know what the situation is with Paul Millsap. I don't know if he's a free agent now. Uh, I think he is. I can't remember. Um, but if so, they can bring in Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, at the least, will help them win reg- regular season games. Um, and they have so much depth that in the playoffs, they could honestly not even play Obi Toppin, and they would be fine. Like They have a lot of depth. Um, and I think... At this point, Obi Toppin is great value and will help them get a higher seed. So that's a good, gotcha. a good fit. Number All 23, right. one of my favorite fits in the first round here, Kelly and Tilly to the Jazz. One of the biggest issues with Rudy Gobert as a player is his inability to, to defend on the perimeter. Um, he's the best defensive big in the league, but, that, but he, can't defend it, he can't defend on the perimeter, so he can't switch. That's something that Killian Tilly can do. And so I think drafting Killian Tilly just that kind of hides uh, Gobert's deficiencies as a defender. 
Um, Tilly is also a great value at this point, and so I like that pick. Okay. Number 24, I have the Bucks taking Sadiq Bay. There is no chance Sadiq Bay lasts this long on draft night because people love him for some reason, and people overvalue Sadiq Bay. And so he'll go probably in the lottery. But here I have them going, have him going to the Bucks. It would be great if a point guard falls to the Bucks because I don't like Aaron Bledsoe. The Bucks, the Bucks don't even like Aaron Bledsoe. I mean, they are trying to they're they're trying to do whatever it takes to get Aaron Bledsoe out of town. So they really would love to have a point guard fall to them. That'll happen on draft night. Didn't happen here. So I just went with the best shooter, and that's Nick Bay. Uh, with the Thunder, I took Leandro and Bomero. Uh, they're just going to – I went with the highest upside player, and I think Bomero has a good chance to outperform this draft slot if he develops, and the Thunder have a very good development staff. So I think that's a good pick. At 26, James Wiseman, finally. All right. Um, the, the Celtics need size at the center position because they are rolling with Daniel Tice, who's a good player. I love Tice. He's a good defender. Love him, but he's only six eight. So getting Wiseman gives him some size at the center position, um, and he wouldn't need the ball. He wouldn't have to do too much in Boston, and he would develop really well under the uh, teaching of Brad Stevens. So I like that pick. Gotcha. Could have a potential twin towers, yeah. Wiseman and Taco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Then at number 27, I have Nico Mannion. Uh, they need a point guard. They need someone that can shoot. So went with Nico. Lakers, Trey Jones. Um, he, can, he can make an immediate impact on a championship-level team with his defense and playmaking and developing shot. I like that pick. At 29, I have the Raptors taking Jalen Smith, a big from Maryland. Uh, he can spread the floor and protect the rim. Um, and he's got some interesting – uh, he can he can really move pretty well for a big, and the Raptors could possibly lose Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka in free agency. So, taking a big would be great a great use of resources here. Um, so I like that pick. This is also a good value for Smith. And at number thirty, I had the Celtics taking Tyler Bay. Um, they don't really need another pick. Like they don't need another young guy on this roster. But Tyler Bay is a good defender um, with. Some good shooting indicators, but he needs to develop because he he plays like a big, but he's six seven and has the body of a wing. So he's got some developing to do, and I think he can do that in Boston. But really, anybody would work here at number thirty. Right. Okay. So hey, hey, going back to the uh, going back to the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, would does that pick? Uh, change in your mind with them uh sounds like they're acquiring dennis schroeder yeah uh from the thunder yeah would that is, is that gonna possibly change your mind about who they might pick there no um no. because they're going to it looks like they might lose rondo um and i don't like uh ideally they would get a shooter here there's not really a guy that, that can step in and have an immediate impact um, as a shooter, because really all the shooters are already gone. I'm trying to think if there's anybody in my second in, in, that's like out of my top 30 that could fit there. Maybe if they wanted to go with an upside swing, they could go with RJ Hampton. I'm low on Hampton because he is uh, 
uh, pretty bad right now, but he is a very athletic guy who can potentially develop into a, a, a nice scorer. Maybe they want to go with him. Uh, let me look. I'm looking at my board right here. Uh, may- oh, Skylar Mays can be a good fit from LSU. He's a guy that I'll be, I would be uh, willing to reach for in the first round. or Not, not even reach because I have him 34th on my board. That's not much of a reach. Tyshawn right. Alexander from Creighton. He's a wing. Um, he can shoot the ball. He's a nice combo guard who's got incredible size. He's going to be a good defender at the next level. He also has um, analytics are on his side. So I like that. Uh, at some point, honestly, I would just – like past like my board past like 40 where is it 40 41st on my board or really past 40 i would probably just look at guys with positive analytical indicators and just adjust my board that way past 40 because at at a certain point in this draft there's not a lot of options so yeah right right they just need the lakers just need to get a guy that can come in Make an immediate impact um, in the playoffs. I think Trey Jones can do that. He's a sophomore. Yes. He's he's mature. He's a great defender. Um, he's going to do the dirty work. He's going to make winning plays, and I think that's valuable. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. Well, yeah. So that's my mock draft. Any any questions about my mock draft? No, I I I man, I think you you went into a lot of detail. Um, it is it is interesting to me i you know uh this particular draft uh you know me me personally uh it was kind of hard to uh without the tournament last year uh, uh i i i you know just wasn't able to yeah, a lot of these names are are just kind of yeah uh, unfamiliar to me uh, and i'm i'm somewhat of a fan I don't get into it like you do. Right. Uh, but just not having that tournament last year uh, kind of left me uh, not as familiar with this group coming out uh, that, than in years past. But, you know, college basketball has become that way. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school, and, and, and I just don't like the way college basketball has become in the last few years where you, you just don't have guys – stay in long enough at, at, at their programs in college to for, so that, that you can kind of get, get to know guys, you know, they're yeah. just kind of like one and done and, and, uh, and moving on. And it makes it difficult to, to, uh, um, you know, build programs that way. Uh, yeah. And, unless you're, unless you're, you know, John Calipari at Kentucky with unlimited resources to, you know, get that big class every year and, and compete every year. It, it, it's tough. So, yeah. so it makes it tough. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of programs out there, uh, college programs, you got to decide, are you going to try to, you know, are you going to recruit three, you know, a bunch of, uh, a handful of, you know, three stars and try to coach them up? Or are you going to try to go after a couple of four or five stars and try to get them to come? You yeah. know, it, it it affects your your recruiting, yeah, yeah. yeah, logic and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's interesting. Well, hey, this will be a great year for college basketball. Like, like for people, 
people like you that grew up with an era in an era of, of ba- college basketball where guys stayed all four years, mm-hmm. this would be a great year to watch because the, all of the top teams are filled with guys that have stayed for a, a, for like all four years. Like right, like, uh, Baylor. Baylor is number two, I believe. Yeah, they're number two. They're ranked number two. Um, Jared Butler is their point guard. He could have come out and gone pro this year. Instead, he went back. He's going to go back for another year for his senior yeah. season. And and then you have, like, Gonzaga, who is filled with guys like that, like Corey Kispert, who's a preseason All-American. He could have gone pro this year. Um, but he wouldn't have been drafted a high, so he went back. They also had a point guard, Joel Oyayi. Um, he went back. They got like a young guy, Killian Tilly. He's a sophomore. He's going to be good. They got a true freshman, Jalen Suggs, who's going to be a high draft pick. So you got a lot of a lot of programs that are built on guys staying um, for for longer than just one year. So yeah, and, well, that's that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing. I I like that. <laughs> and, and I hope that's enjoy. a trend we can start seeing more of. Yeah, and you get to enjoy one of the better freshman classes in recent memory because you're going to yeah. have guys like Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State who is – he. I would take him number one in this draft, like, out of high school, like, easily. Like, <laughs> no conversation. Like, if I had the first pick, I would easily take Cade, Cum- Cade Cunningham number one overall on Wednesday. Um, right. They got B.J. Boston or Brandon Boston who's going to Kentucky – you got um, crap. What's his name? Jonathan Kuminga, who was going to te- to Texas Tech. He decommitted. Now he's going to be on the G League team. Um, you got um, who are some other guys um, like Zaire Williams. You got there's a there's a big guy going to USC. I forgot his name. Um, but you just have Jalen Suggs going to Gonzaga. Jalen Green. He's on the G League developmental team thing. I don't really uh, really understand it, but. There's like a G League team filled with guys that decided not to go to college. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to make scouting harder, but um, you, get, you just have so much talent in next year's draft class. And so it's going to be a fun college season. I can't wait to scout this next draft. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't, I don't claim to know everything about this draft. Like, up to a certain point, I know a lot about, about a lot of the players. But at, at a certain point, I don't have like I can't I don't have the time to watch like twenty games of every player so sure I don't know everything about everyone um, right. but I think I do have a, a good idea of the, of of this class so there you go well, it's yeah. gonna be interesting we'll 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 see on Wednesday night we'll yep. we'll see how your board uh, how your board goes absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to age well on Wednesday, but it, maybe it'll age well further down the road. But, yeah. There, my, there you go. Yeah, my mock draft, I do want to say that my mock draft is not like a prediction. I wasn't trying to predict what was going to happen. I was, like, doing what I would do if I was the GM of each franchise. And sure. I took into account my own board. took into account, like, each team's payroll because that is a massively important part of the draft process. You got to take into Correct. account that. But, yeah, this is fun. Um, I'm glad it's done because this class is not very good. But, you know, hey, it was Well, like you say, it, it, it's not uh, – it, two or three years down the road, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yep. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not the first year. It might be year two, year three 
yeah. before you really know how, how uh, talented it was. Yeah. The consensus top top guys, I don't love, but this class is deep, and there are some guys that I think are going to be really, really good, like Devin Vassell, Killian Hayes. Uh, Okoro has a chance. Onyeka is going to be great. Denny Avdia has a chance. Mm-hmm. Kyra Lewis. Like, it's a really deep class. I don't think we're going to get a superstar out of this draft, but there's going to be some quality quality starters, some quality role players. And when we look back, like in a few years from now, we're going to be like, wow, like how was this guy? How did this guy drop this far? And I can't believe so-and-so went this high. So it'll be fun to see. Right. Absolutely. That's what makes it fun. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much all I got for today. Any questions about my guide? No, I think, uh, man, I, I, I applaud you for, uh, for your board. Uh, lots of, lots of insight, lots of detail. You did a lot of homework. I know you spent a lot of time working on it. And, uh, so I, 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 I applaud you for, for, for that. I think it's, it was well done. And, well, thank uh, you. and, uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll, you, you need to kind of put, save that uh once again two or three years down the road it'll be uh, interesting to go back and uh, look at your analysis and see see how uh, some of these uh panned out uh, based on how you how you saw saw them going into the next level yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put my my big board and probably my mock draft on Twitter because because mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna see if anybody like gets upset because last year when I posted my NFL mock draft, uh, someone got pissed off because I didn't have Justin Herbert in the first round, and like someone got go. someone was like really upset. There um, you go. So, <laughs> and, so and he James ended up being really good. So yeah, James Weissman is is I guess your your Justin Herbert of the uh, of the draft is it, this week. It, it's either him or Obi Toppin. It's like either or. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So but hey, anyway. if they don't if they don't pan out, I'm gonna be like, I told y'all so. But if they do yeah. pan out, I'll I'll be. Happy. I don't want these guys to be bad. It's just like, I don't, well, I don't, maybe. I don't hope that these guys suck. I just, it's just my own personal evaluation. Like I can only, I can only give my thoughts on the tape that I watch, and what I watched of these guys wasn't good. So I don't, I don't know what to tell people. I, like I hate it when people look at boards and mock drafts and they're like, "What? What are you talking about? Like this is so dumb." Like, and, and they'll go like they'll they'll look at people's mock drafts like three years from now and they're like, "You're an, you were such an idiot." And it's like, well, yeah, like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like people have their own personal opinions about like the film they watched, and so yeah. Well, I think. Every day that Justin Herbert gets up, he's motivated by he's got he's got your uh, your mock draft uh, yeah. uh, on his bulletin board in his apartment. <laughs> Good. Hey, I'm glad he's playing well. Like the, I, I, I'm glad he, I'm glad he made me look dumb. I, I, I'm always ha- I'm always happy when guys play well. So it's not I'm not go. I'm not upset. <laughs> I will say that his team has won like. I don't think they've won a game yet with him as a yeah, starter. Yeah, I think so. they've won one game. Or yeah, they've won yeah. one game, so. I think I think they're right up there with the Falcons and uh, in, in losing them, losing a handful of games that they should have won. So yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. What woulda shoulda coulda. 
Yep. All right. That's all I got for today. This was fun. I was I was so excited to do this pod, and it was fun. So thank you Good. for joining me. That was awesome. All right. Good job, man. Proud thank of you. you. Thank you. All right. Bro. All right. See y'all. Peace.